Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. We're on episode number 47. And this podcast is a content podcast where there's no interview, but rather some content and sharing my ideas when it comes to doing business internationally and how you can improve your own performance and the performance of your organization or the organization that you're working for. So the title of this podcast is Why Doing Business is Never About the Price. Let me repeat that again. Why doing business is never about the price. In this podcast, I want to show you or explain to you or give you my ideas that doing international business is really never about the price. For that matter, doing any kind of business, uh, whether it's national or international, is not about the price. Now, having said that, I can almost hear you think, yeah, right, but it's, it's always about the price, isn't it? Well, no, I tend to disagree. Of course, price determines, in a way, your bottom line, you know. Um, however, price is not the most important influencer when it comes to your bottom line, but it tends to be that people are the most important influencers um, when it comes to making a, a purchase or a buying decision. The reason is that people usually buy value first. Most often, we buy value first. Of course, price is important, but if and when people like yourselves can afford a product or service, price tends to weigh in much less than other factors. Like, let me give you a couple of examples. Does this product or service solve my problem? Do I like what I buy? Does it give me enough status? Or does it add to my status? Does it suit me? Does it look? Does it does it feel? Does it smell nice? Um, do I like who I buy from? Actually, will I get good service? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, as an example, I, there are two stores in the in the uh, city that I that I live in Belgium uh, that sell computers, which is like a commodity in a way, and um, if I have to choose where I buy my products and both stores actually sell the same thing, where do I go to? I go to the store where either I get the... the, the and the price, of course, is comparable or uh, identical even often. I go to where I get the best service or where there is a typical particular guy working that I have a good click with. And I like the guy, so I buy from him and not so much from, from his store. I'm not going to say he's, I'm disappointed when he's not there, but it's more of, you know, if he's there, we have a chat about this and that, about technology and stuff that interests me. So it's it's a it's an emotional thing. So my my, my point here that I want to make is, is that Human beings from any culture, whether you're German, whether you're American, whether you're Indian, whether you're you're Dutch, Belgian, or wherever, from any culture, can only base their buying decision or pretty much any decision on emotions. And some researchers claim, and I've read the research as well, that there is like 10% rational in our decision making. But I believe that we base everything that we do, all our decisions, irrespective of where we come from, irrespective of our cultural background, on our... On the, on the emotions. So every decision that we make is it comes from an emotion first. Why would we otherwise buy you know, a $600 smartphone while there is a $300 or even cheaper $100 phone from a different brand lying right next to it? And um, there is the example here that I'm looking at an iPhone here uh, on my left-hand side, which is expensive. That was close to 900 bucks. 
these things are expensive here in this part of the world. And on my right hand, I see the uh, phone, which is 100 bucks, which is an Android device, which uh, belongs to my daughter. It's her first smartphone, and she's very happy with it. And it does pretty much everything, you know, that um, that the iPhone does. But it's not an iPhone. So, and I want the iPhone. So, it's emotion. There you go. At least that's what I think. So when it comes to buying anything, uh, it is often about emotion, if not always about emotions. And we make our decisions with our emotions and we rationalize them with our brains. So what happens is, is that we see the iPhone, we fall in love with the iPhone, we buy the iPhone and we feel good about the iPhone. And then we say, well, the scrolling is scrolling is better on an iPhone. And it might be the case, but is that worth the price difference of, what is it, six, seven hundred euros or dollars in this case? So um, we make our decisions on an emotional level and we rationalize them afterwards um, with our rational brain, if you want. And then we come up with the idea that we actually have made rational decisions, which is not always the case. All right. Not only when we're buying, well, luxury products like the iPhone, for instance, or services, do we make our decision uh, based on emotions, but also when it comes to working with others and with other cultures. Here are a couple of examples where emotions usually are leading in our, our value judgments and typically about other others, and I'm talking about people here. So why do you like your most favorite colleague and why do you dislike your least favorite colleague? Why is it that one person you have a click with and the other person you don't have a click with? Of course, you might have some topics that are of similar interest, but nonetheless, you like the person because you like the person. And why do we prefer to work with Americans or Germans over working, for instance, with uh, um, with Dutch or um, Brazilians, just making it up as I go along. So also here goes, we base our likes and our dislikes on our emotions and we rationalize those decisions with our brain again. And what tends to help with that or maybe hinders uh, really because it tends to be more detrimental than it really helps is, is that we a lot when it comes comes to working internationally we base a lot of our decisions on the stereotypes that we hold of the other culture so if we think about the americans if you think about as a non-american about americans what are the stereotypes typically that you might have about the americans well they're this that that and hence what do you do you take out your post-it notes you write down american you stick it on the forehead of the person in front of you and he for sort of fits that perception that you might have of him or her and the same thing works with Chinese or Japanese or Indians or Dutch or Germans or British doesn't really matter which culture um, we're from but the stereotypes that we hold of each other uh, tend to influence the perception that we have of the other person and hence it um, it influences our predisposition that we have when it comes to actually working with the other culture you can never work with Italians why not well because they're never on time or something like that. Or you can't work with Germans because they always tend to be on time and much too square if you like more flexibility, for instance. And the other thing that's important to realize when we look at different cultures is that when these stereotypes are in place, and they often are, and it's hard to get rid of those stereotypes as well, um, they tend to be more negative than they tend to be positive. So the emotions that we hold, or hence the perception that we have of other cultures, tends to be more negative than it tends to be positive. 
So we have a feeling for another culture, which is in our gut. We rationalize that with our brain. You can't work with Italians. Why not? Because they're always late, which is the rational part of them. And hence, we just dislike working with Italians for whatever reason that is. Okay, well, that's sort of where emotions play a role when it comes to working internationally. So it's not about the, the price it's more about the value. It's more about the likes. Do you like the other person? Do you like working with the other person? And, you know, if you're working in an international environment or organization, as hopefully or you might be listening to this podcast, then those cultural differences can be a decisive factor on how smooth your organization runs. And hence, if the organization runs smoother, then, of course, that will translate itself into a, a dollar value or a euro value. There are several things where cultural differences play a really important role, if not a crucial role, and they're detrimental to your bottom line, or they could help your bottom line as well, depending on which side of the dimension you're on. Um, cultural differences can lead to high, high staff turnover. They can lead to um, exceeding international project timings and budget, so stuff runs late, if you want. They can influence the um, innovative capacity of, of an organization or a team of people or a group of people working together. They can influence the time of market of new products or new services because people tend to communicate not as um, as well when they come from different cultures. The overall margin could decline because costs just run up and we don't really keep a good tally on how much these costs run up. Management style tends to differ really when it comes to cultural differences. Um, Decision-making tends to be uh, influenced by different cultures as well, whereby, as an example, Americans tend to make decisions much more faster, whether they're right or wrong, while the Dutch being more, and the Swedes and the Scandinavians tend to be more consensus-oriented and hence having more discussions about this and then postponing a decision at the, um, at the expense of time, but um, gaining more insight and making ultimately a better decision, if at all it comes to a decision. And of course, the level of details of projects I just explained or mentioned the Germans, the Germans having a, a much higher level of detail than Anglo-Saxons when it comes to, to typical projects. And these are typical, typical cases, of course. And it's not the cultural differences themselves that actually cause these potential problems. Really, it's not the cultural difference. They are just what they are. Um, but it's in fact that too many organizations don't pay enough attention to handling these in an appropriate way. Or even better, you know, to getting the leverage from them, which in turn leads to the above mentioned pitfalls. Like I mentioned the the, the preceding list here that I've written down. So it's, it's, it's not the taxes that will uh, make or break the success of international business. It's not the regulations that will make or break the, inter the success of international business. It's not the legal stuff. Those, those are the, if you want, the hard variables that you can, that knowledge is something that you can actually uh, buy from another culture. So if you're doing business with the Germans, just get a legal advisor in German, a German person who knows the ropes and can actually advise you on those those hard variables if you want. But working with the mindset of Germans, that's a whole different ballgame. And that usually tends to be more uh, negative. And if that's negative, all the cost of everything really goes up. So it's not about the price. It is about the people doing the business. The, the good news with that is, is that there is an answer at the end of the tunnel or there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not another train in this case. There, is, there are uh, plenty of examples where people that work together in an international context actually perform a lot better and we've heard some examples and if you haven't heard that yet uh, that the previous podcast previous week 
uh, with uh, Susan Salzbrenner, who does uh, sports psychology, who mentions uh, several studies whereby people that actually uh, have worked more or more often internationally tend to perform better in their team than people that have not performed internationally yet. So they have they they have only stayed within one country and they're operating in an international um, or a multicultural team. The more exposed you are to different cultures, we the more or the better you tend to work with different cultures. And the better you tend to work with different cultures, of course, the more smoother the business process runs. If the business pro- process runs smoother, the quality of the product goes up, the price might go, uh, or the value goes up. That's where I'm, I'm trying to get at here. So again, summarizing, doing business is hardly ever about the price. It's more about the value. And what we buy is value. And it's perception that creates that value for us as such. And if you're working in an international environment, then it's it's all the more important to pay attention to these cultural differences. Because again, it won't be the taxes. It won't be the regulation. It's not the legal stuff that's going to hinder you most because that's the, the, the stuff that you can easily... That is knowledge that you can easily um, obtain and get from uh, an expert, an outside expert. But creating a, a good mindset to work internationally, a culturally competent, that takes a, a whole lot of effort. But it's worth the try. It's worth the effort because the benefits are amazing when you can do, actually. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. That's it for this uh, this episode number 47. Why doing business is never about the price, but it's always about the people, especially when you're working internationally. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this um, the short content podcast. And there's a couple of things, logistical things that I'd like to mention as well. If you haven't, um, haven't given a, this uh, podcast a rating, I'd really appreciate if you could. And um, that's an iTunes and Stitcher as well, of course, but predominantly an iTunes as it still is. The other thing that I wanted to point out is is that um, if you're interested in seeing my uh, my TED talk, I did a TED talk earlier this year, and I always forget to mention this in the podcast. You can um, it's a TED talk. It's about 50 minutes long, and the, the maximum that a TED talk can actually go on is 18 minutes. And I was I managed to cut it down to 15 minutes, which was really hard. And so if you watch the um, the TED talk, you might actually also see that I'm I'm, I'm rushing. I'm really rushing and, and uh, going through the stuff that I want to mention in the um, in the video. You want to see it? You can go to culturematters.com/ted ted culturematters.com/slash ted. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening and taking the time to listen. We have an interview podcast next week with um, um, Pellegrino. And uh, you can guess where he's from, or can you? Take care. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.